We know bottles are luxury, so we're doing that, but we're going to redefine what luxury and premium and quality is. So we're not going to borrow somebody else's idea of what it is. We're going to try and tell people a new thing. And being open and honest and inclusive can be a luxurious experience. It's easier to stay focused if you can see it working. The real test is like when it's not growing as quickly as you want or it's not doing what you want it to do and still sticking at it and still believing that it's the right thing. Hey guys, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Catch-Ups in My Kitchen with me, Georgia Simmons, host of the podcast. This week, I'm joined by Rob Wallace, co-founder of Moth, the canned cocktail brand. I was so excited to speak to Rob as Moth has been a brand that I've been seeing more and more and more recently. And the more I think about it, the more I realize what a genius idea it is. Any of you have tried making a fancy cocktail at home and failed or ordered a cocktail out and it just doesn't taste great and doesn't hit the spot, you know the disappointment that brings. And it's not a cheap mistake either. But Moth ensures that no matter who you are or where you are, you can have a delicious cocktail served the way it should be. In this episode, Rob and I talk about the journey to Moth, pivoting and taking opportunities when they come your way, and how a cocktail is so much more than a drink, but a vibe, a memory, an atmosphere, and a good feeling. I loved this episode just as much as I love a Moth margarita, so please, please enjoy, and as always, have a lovely rest of your day. Rob, thank you so much for joining me in my kitchen. How are you? I'm very well on this lovely grey morning in, in Bassey. I know, it's definitely feeling like September kind of winter looming. We're all back to school. It is, that feeling. Can you give us a really quick elevator pitch? Who you are or what you do? So I'm Rob, I'm the co-founder of Moth. We're the UK's fastest growing registering cocktail brand. I love it. I'm so excited about this. I think you guys are just growing, growing so rapidly and I've got so much to ask you. Before we get into that, though, we have a quick fire round about all things food. Pressure's on, let's do it. Pressure's on. Sweet or savoury? Savoury. Pizza or pasta? Oh, can I say both? Um, I say pizza. Both. I think pizza. What's your go-to cuisine? Go-to, uh, South Asian. So my other half's veggie, so we cook loads of veggie food at home. Mm, good one. Cook in or eat out? Yes. I <laughs> I mean, time and place. I love to eat out things that I can't cook in. So yeah. it's a sort of combination. But okay. Yeah, I think... On balance, in. Love to host. Yeah, to people agree. And favourite delivery? Oh, um, that's such a good question. It's really bad because one of my favourite takeaway things you can't get on delivery because the pizza's too wide, which is home slice. Oh. So you have to get it on supper because the pizza's like 20 inches. Yeah, okay, fine. Um, that's so I'm going to cheat at that question and say, yeah, say home slice. That's a good one. Okay, so I want to start off with life before moth. I know. But I mean, that is a big, big yeah. thing. But I believe your background is in music. So kind of, let's talk about where you believed your career was going to go, how it started and how it's kind of ended up where it is now. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not done yet. Um, but no. I think where I thought it was going to go was I thought when I turned up to university, I was going to be an opera singer. So singing wonderful music in front of lots of people um, and constantly desperately trying to find a job, um, but having an amazing life. And then I got to sort of second, third year, and I, I found film and, and TV, and I've just 
the project aspect of working with an amazing bunch of people on film and TV led to the sort of composition route. So I actually, Sam, who I co-founded Moth with, I used to write the music for his films while we were at university. Um, he then went off and actually built an amazing film career, but I thought I wanted to be a film composer. And then it got to the point where I realized the bit about film and TV and music, all of that umbrella that I loved was people because a lot of composition can be, and I found this out quite a while later, sitting in a room by yourself thinking, yeah. and actually it's not me. It's not what I love. It's not even what I'm good at. And so I think I was gradually by accident um, finding my way towards a really social industry that became hospitality. And so I went and uh, worked in hospitality for a while, looking after people in in, in chalets, in, in Verbier, but living with chefs. And that's the real thing that changed for me, like looking after people with like the highest standards and with food and drink sort of really scratched this itch in my brain of the best way to look after people is food and drink. And at the end of the day, I think all of this and moth and everything that we've got to is basically about looking after people. Mm. And we think the best way to look after people is cocktails. But I learned that through university slowly and then through going and living with chefs and working out there and eventually got to the conclusion that basically hosting and looking after people was where I want to be and cocktails was the vehicle to do that. So yeah, that's where... I love that. That's kind of why I did the podcast because food and drink is so much more than food and drink, if that makes sense. Like it's, it is memories, it's family, it's social, it's friends. It's so much more than just fueling yourself and quenching a thirst. Like it means so much more than that. Yeah, I just, not to get super philosophical about it, but I love the idea, like the thing that we're doing now, like sitting around the campfire with talking about food and drink and eating and being social hasn't changed in humanity for such a long time. We're doing like the most primal thing. And now it's a bit advanced, it's in a can or it's on delivery or whatever it is. But we're sitting around the campfire and mm. keeping the night away. And that that for me is just magic. That that really is just worth spending your life doing. And I think the other bit as well is that it's a uniquely human thing to make a pleasure out of something you have to do every day that could be a chore. Like, no, you can't do it with breathing, but you have to eat every day and you have to drink and you can choose to that to be a drudgery and you can have the same meal every day and just think about your macronutrients or you can make that one of the central joys of your life and like that's just yeah. one I love that yeah completely and like no matter what goes on in the world like whether it's really tough out there whatever happens like everyone kind of wants to kind of get together have food have a fun have a nice drink yeah. and so yeah it just means so much so when was the moment that you thought I need to make a cocktail and put it in a can it's such a good question. I think for me, there's never that sort of light bulb moment. If there was, it actually didn't come from me. So we, I sent Sam a Facebook message back in 2018 saying, I want to start the perfect bottled cocktail company uh, that makes the perfect old fashioned. And he sent back the verbatim reply, that's not actually a terrible idea. I was actually looking for We Were Turn 5 the other day and I was looking through that old Facebook chat mm-hmm. just for like sheer nostalgia. And it's amazing like how little the pictures change from that single idea of it should be as easy as a can of beer or a glass of wine and it should be a perfect fit for people's lives. We should be the innocent of canned cocktails was a message we sent in 2018. And then I sent Sam a message that sort of derailed us for two and a half years, which is, take me for instance, I'd never drink a canned cocktail. And so we went to bottles first thinking that to be luxury, you had to be in a bottle Mm -hmm. because decent canned cocktails, you know, high ABV, true to serve, true to strength didn't exist. So we went bottles first, did that for two and a half years. And then one day we were in our little tiny manufacturer when we just about managed to stop making it by ourselves. And we stood next to like a pallet of cans. And Sam sort of had this light bulb moment that like, if we want to scale this and we really want to do this, if this, if this ever leaves Selfridges, like we need to be in a can. And I took a very, very long time to be persuaded by that. Like leaving those little glass bottles behind was really tough because for me, like when, and for both of us, the confidence to go, 
We know bottles are luxury, so we're doing that, but we're going to redefine what luxury and premium and quality is. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to borrow somebody else's idea of what it is. We're going to try and tell people a new thing. And that was terrifying. And we needed the first two and a half years to build our confidence to say, no, we, we back ourselves to do it. We couldn't have done cans right away because we, we didn't believe that they could be in the position they are now. Yeah, so true. And I believe it was called something different at that point. Is it is it pronounced Bouveau? Bouveau, yeah. Bouveau. So French for drinker and Bouveau d'air is like a big liver, someone who's like a bon vivant, like takes life in and all that kind of stuff. And I think you've identified absolutely perfectly one of the problems with the name, yeah. right? It's that we didn't have the confidence when we started to tell people what premium and luxury and high quality meant. So we borrowed from places. We said, oh, it's French, so it's quality. And it's glass bottles, so it's quality. And it's very oldie-worldy heritage Because we, you know, we needed that time and that experience to build up, no, actually, simplicity is sophisticated. And being open and honest and inclusive can be a luxurious experience. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wear the right shoes to enjoy a moth but you probably needed to wear a tie to drink a beaver. Like that's yeah. that's where the sort of, and that was a lesson we had to learn and confidence and time gave us that. A hundred percent. And like, you led me really on nicely to this kind of whole topic. Cause I was going to say, how did you know when to change? Because I had a business, which I've actually just closed and um, I, you know, it's like a baby. It's like, you're so proud of it. And like, it's the best thing that's ever happened. And you have such belief in it. And then when you kind of come to the realization that actually something quite drastic has to change, you're quite defensive of the idea at the start. And you're like, well, no, because I know why I did it like this and I know it should work. But then how did you, I mean, I know you kind of just touched on it, but like making that jump is actually, like you said, it's quite scary. Yeah. I mean, I think there's two things. One, I'm very, very fortunate that I don't do it by myself uh, and I could never have done it by myself. I think with Sam, he is much braver and more challenging than me. And so there's that, part of it I think the other part of it is that we had like the ultimate excuse and wake-up call of COVID of like mm-hmm. if we don't change now when like yeah. this is the time like I wouldn't love to say like the data told us to do it we were really sure like we weren't sure but we said this can stay in the selfages of this world forever or we can take a punt and scale it like we hadn't paid ourselves for two and a half years we were running on fumes like it's a sort of kind of now or never and then a pandemic, which is a really now or never. Yeah. So I think it's those sort of concatenation of circumstances that bring it all together that meant like your life has already been uprooted by the biggest disaster that we're all going to live through, hopefully. Um, yeah. So why not? You know, mm. but I, won't, I didn't want to claim that I was like, right, visionary, here we go. Like, actually, it was really Sam who led that sort of transformation of no, we need to make a change. Mm. Um, so a lot, I think probably almost all of the credit, as with most of Moth, goes to him. Yeah, but it's actually like... Comparing the two brands, Bavera and Moth, it's actually crazy because like my previous business was Greedy Vegan and it was a plant-based delivery service and I was delivering boxes of plant-based products to people's door. And the main reasons why Greedy Vegan didn't work is I was speaking to a very small niche, similar to me, what you guys are doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't very inclusive and maybe you felt like you had to be a certain person to buy that when actually... That was not what I was trying to do. I was trying to speak to the masses, make greedy vegan more accessible to everyone, make vegan different. And I was delivering like plant-based smoked salmon and brie and camembert, like quite fun things, yeah, yeah. not like the chicken nuggets. And not the difficult to love as not well, right? Not difficult yeah. to love. But the way I packaged it up was wrong. And I could have just completely rebranded, and but actually the podcast was doing better than the business. So I was stuck to what I'm doing. But I think there's a lot of similarities there. And I think... Moth is so universal. It's like you can be 
my dad can drink moth, I can drink moth, my brother can drink, everyone can enjoy moth no matter what they're doing or who they are. And I think that's really great and really important. Yeah, and I think it took us a long time to get there. Like it is a really, it's a difficult decision to say like, like to leave your niche. Like I listened to um, the founder of Big Fish, Perry, did an amazing thing about like, what happens when you when you leave that initial circle of believers of like the people who used to turn up in Fulham to our little events that we do in like the Hoarder who are our first stockists opposite West Brompton. Shout out the Hoarder, go and get an amazing coffee. Um, but like those, you know, 20, 50, 100 people that maybe would go into Selfridges at Christmas, like leaving them, we were so worried about rebranding because you're we like, have we made all this momentum? Are we going to lose it all? And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, like because you're in it every day, you can't see the wood for the trees. No one blinked. Mm. Like nobody blinks when we changed. And I think also the small interruption of COVID perhaps distracted people a little bit. But yeah. um yeah, I think we were so worried about we built all this stuff and actually it was a drop in the ocean compared to what moth could be and where it could go. Because mm. even though we didn't know at the time, like there was a ceiling on what we were doing. Like there's only so many lovely London department stores, whatever. Even internationally, there's only so many. And actually it was very gifty and not fit for people's lives. And so yeah, I think without knowing, we sort of saw that horizon coming. And I say we, Sam saw it much better than me. Mm. And the name Moth, I feel like actually it it kind of stands for something. But also, I believe from like some research I've done, you kind of like resemble the creature. So can you talk a bit about the name and why you chose it? Yeah, there's all kinds of myths and fiction that we spread about the name. And there's, there's some true bits and some some fun bits. And I think starting with it, I can spell it all by myself, which is uh, really important. And it's very memorable. But we 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 took Bouveau and we said, look, this is the issues where you can't say it. It's not memorable. It's not inclusive. Um, and then we said, right, there's a huge sheet of names we worked with Pentagram on. And bottom right hand corner was Moth. We all hated it, but we all remembered it. And then we started to say, okay, well, what does that world look like? And a bit of the French thing from Bouvier, so moth is Papillon de Nuit, which is butterfly of the night, which is all over the Negroni is a little sort of nod to that, mm-hmm. of like, what ha- we're all beautiful when we come out at night, we're beautiful when we share a cocktail, it's a magical thing, it's underappreciated, it's enigmatic. So what if we started to, like, it paints a world very quickly away from the name. Um, and then I, we said to Pentagram, like, what if, just for us, maybe it never goes public, it stood for something, like an acronym. And actually for us, the mix of total happiness that it became, it's it's sort of a little Easter egg. It's not the point because it's just moth, it's the name. But for us, it's sort of that put a bow on the whole thing of like this world of coming out at night and together and around a focal point, which obviously should be a cocktail. Yeah. And, and then if it stood for something that was not just the ingredients in the drink, but the people around the fire, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that sort of tied it all up. But yeah, I think um, step one, we remembered it. Yeah, yeah, it is memorable and it, it is great. And so when I like think of Moth, you guys kind of represent a vibe. You're not just a name on a can. And like a cocktail isn't just a drink. It's an atmosphere. It's an event. It's an occasion. It's conversation. It's just so much more than just the drink. So how have you guys created this vibe? Obviously, it takes time. It, you know... But looking at your Instagram, like reading your website, like there really is a very clear tone of voice, personality, and you're creating that atmosphere. How have you kind of done that? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is just Sam and my relationship. Like we try and take all the best bits of that and sort of that distills into what becomes a lot of the internal culture. But I think the the vibe is really interesting and it basically comes from two things. Sam is very visual and detail-orientated and loves pictures and if you ask him to think of an idea, it's a mood board first, right? Whereas for me, if you ask me, I come out in a rash if you ask me to do a mood board. 
and I'm very words. And so we, we looked at words and pictures together as like every word on this tiny can matters as much as every ingredient in the drink. And so choosing those very, very specifically to, to not be exclusive. So like, we're not talking about like the whiskey nerdery or like, though we can talk about it if you want, like it's how you, every drink is how you would describe a cocktail to your friend not how a bartender at the Ritz would describe it. If I had to describe a cocktail to someone who'd never drunk it before, what three words would I choose? They come out as personalities as well, so the margaritas, fresh, sharp, confident, and people love, like, I'm sure that's on a Tinder profile somewhere. <laughs> but um, for us, I think it's that inclusivity. And then the other piece as well is, because we're not a spirits brand that does, like, one vertical, like, if you're tequila, you just do tequila, maybe you'll do, you'll talk about margaritas and palomas. We don't want to be known for just vodka or just gin or just tequila or just rum. We want to be come to moth for a cocktail. And a cocktail, as you say, is not one spirit, it's not one type of drink, it's not one time of day. You know, Bloody Mary to espresso martini, it's a big stretch. Um, and so being known for that and being inclusive and having, yeah, I think that sort of come to us for a cocktail, cocktail is so many occasions. And so inviting people into the world of that rather than just being super specific on like, we only do gin, we only do tequila, we only do whiskey. Mm. Uh, it's all part of that inclusive piece, I think. Making yeah. it easy to enjoy. Um, and then talking to people who, you know, don't need to know about tequila to have a great margarita. Yeah, no, I think it's so true. And you definitely are so inclusive. Like, when you go on your Instagram, you're like, oh my God, I feel like I'm part of the team already. Like, you just, you're automatically dragged in. And I think it's so great. And your co-founder, Sam, so you mentioned, like, it kind of, it enhances your relationship. Like, this is how it's so fun and stuff. What is your relationship like with Sam? How, obviously, you met at uni. So maybe before, you met before yeah, okay yeah. so yeah how did you guys meet so he went to school next to me so i've known him for like 15 16 years so like close friends at school lived together went to uni together by pure accident uh then lived together at uni became very close there like very competitive in the kitchen like he's a fantastic cook and i desperately try and keep up um and so i think our relationship uh i then went island moved abroad and he started build, building a film career i think our relationship is based on like a huge amount of trust and transparency because I trust that the things that he's good at, I just trust him to make those calls. And it's just implicit because I, not only because I can't do the things that he's great at, but because I trust him to, I just, I don't know anyone that's better at the things that he's good at. Mm. And so I think when you've got, you know, we, I've spoke about this before, but like step one, finding a co-founder, be friends for 15 years first, right? Get, get the gremlins out of the way. I think yeah. because we're so different, we think about the world so differently and we divide and conquer the things that we're good at and then we collaborate on the things that we're rubbish at yeah that's um, perfect i think that just means it works so it's a very open transparent relationship um he's my best man at my wedding a few months ago like we do actually get on outside of work but it's sitting around the fire together right it stems from just love of spending time eating and drinking with other people together whatever it is it starts mm. from a dinner table um and that's a nice place to start yeah no definitely i think the co-founder thing is really interesting like for me I went and did Greedy Vegan on my own and everyone was like, you should find a co-founder. And I was like, yeah, but I don't think it's that easy. I think it's a co-founder should be an obvious like decision. Like it should just, I don't think you can go and find a co-founder. I think you, it has to be organic and they have to come to you or you have to have the idea together. I know a lot of businesses where they have like, you can actually advertise for a co-founder and find one and then you can start. Feels weird, doesn't it? I just don't yeah. think it's organic enough. Like with you guys, clearly it was just like an obvious, well, there's no other person I do this with. It just makes sense. And I can't do it by myself. Well, yeah. Same for him. I think. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think it's 
but sole founder better than a bad co-founder any day of the week, right? Because that's because you might be best friends and ruin it, which is horrible. So I think, yeah, it's I have so much respect for sole founders. I genuinely, I know I'm not the personality type to do it. Like my my, my own work style, like my my shortcomings are like I need people around me to be accountable. Like I can't work from home. I'm just appalling. Like, but I'm in an office. Um, you know, it's for me yeah. that's what works. Whereas Sam could put headphones on and just power through something. Um, but yeah, I think it's really difficult. And I think a lot of founders circumvent that by being a sole founder and then finding like an MD role. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Lucky Saint, fantastic example. Luke, incredible founder, visionary, fantastic at selling the story, both externally and internally. And then finds an amazing uh, sort of MD who sort of became a co-founder of Emma of like, and that relationship's a bit different to like 50-50 co-founders, mm. but they are an amazing team. They nail it. Yeah, I think there's no like perfect situation I think it's just everything happens for a reason if we're going to get deep on it and I feel like there's a natural fit there's a natural progression and also very personality dependent yeah and you'll go through tough times even if it's perfect right and accepting that you just have to if it's strong you can get through that yeah no definitely so kind of going back to the beginning of you and Sam's journey creating this obviously a lot of people maybe listening have great ideas of businesses they may want to start but then it's actually starting. So when it came to this and came to Moth and we were and like, how did you start? Were you both cocktail connoisseurs, whipping up the cocktails in the kitchen, putting them into the bottles? How, yeah, how did it begin? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. It seems like a really long time ago, even though it's probably about five minutes ago. I think a really interesting one is like, I had a great piece of advice where starting starting actually like lots of people have ideas but starting it's really hard and people are often afraid you see people like on linkedin and stuff being like you're in like like secret startup mode where you're not telling people your idea go and tell everyone your idea no one is going to be bothered to do it get feedback early i would say um and then for sam and i like we both had full-time jobs and it was just could we do it so like there were a few things sort of nudged towards it i went to Deshoom and they had a pre-batched old-fashioned i went to Ter- bar termini and they had a pre-batched Nagonian. You started just coming across this like, oh, pre-batch can be good. Like it's like deliberate and good. And so why, if they can do it, why can't, why can't we do it? And so those sort of things started to tip. And then I got a bottle of whiskey for Christmas and I was like, well, I'm just going to make a giant old fashioned. And I, it was, that was before anything that Sam and I were doing. And I just, I kept choosing it over beer, over wine, over anything else of like, I can have an old fashioned without the faff surely I'm not the only person that would want this. And I'm a bartender. Like, all the stuff is in my cupboard. I've been bartending for a long time and I don't do it. I'm in a one bed flat with no dishwasher. There's no way other than when I'm hosting and wanting to show off, I'm getting glasses out and mixes, all that stuff. So I have every reason to do it and I don't. Imagine all the people who love an old fashioned don't have every reason. There's no way they're going to have one. But if I can do this, this is in my fridge, I can choose it. And sort of that gave us the confidence to be like, it can't just be us. And then really simply, we were eating and drinking together. We went looking for it. We're like, let's just buy this product and consume it in our lives. Let's be customers. And we just couldn't find it, just didn't there. And that was the really sort of kind of light bulby moment of like, you really question it. Cause you're like, well, why is no one doing this? It's so obvious. Um, and looking back through that Facebook chat, as I talked about, like the idea has not strayed in five years. And it's like, it's gone through a wiggly path, but like we're really true to that original vision of just like a cocktail is easy as a can of beer. Like, mm. Why? And so it really started of like, it wasn't like we saw the market and we knew the trend. It was just, why doesn't this thing exist? We would use it. And there must be other people like us. Mm. And it's sort of that little seed planted and then we were, sort of went from there. Yeah, no, I love it. And were you making it from home, putting it in bottles, selling it to friends and family to start with? 
or did you kind of because of alcohol maybe licensing and all of that maybe there was a few more steps to go through yeah so both my parents were lawyers and my wife is a lawyer and so I have a little voice in the back of my head that says (laughs) always do it properly like I'm like a bit sort of all over the place kind of person sort of running around like a headless chicken mostly just sort of being enthusiastic about things but when it comes to like it's food and drink it matters that it's safe for people it matters that it's done properly and for alcohol there's a lot of legal stuff around it so it started we found a friend who ran a gin distillery who happened to have all the right licenses to do it and we did it there but that meant literally making it above a pub Mm. um but for me we've always been like it's super important if this ever works that from the start you're well behaved and that and like i don't think my parents or poor wife would ever have been like yeah yeah crack on with just do it in your kitchen and hope for the best like these are you know so i think uh, probably their support and um and just sort of not knowing what you don't know like there's so much stuff about alcohol like i have calls with people regularly to be like I would love to, t- I'm going to tell you all the things that we had to go through because it was rubbish. Like there's so much stuff out there that you have like so many hoops you have to jump through, but with food and drink, it always pays to just be super safe. And the lovely thing about high proof cocktails is they're amazingly safe. Alcohol cleans hospitals and keeps drinks safe. So it's really helpful. Um, but yeah, started above a pub, mixing all ourselves, hand bottling, hand labeling, hand doing. We've still got the little machine with a foot pedal that you like fills each bottle at a time. Wow. And so we, I think we must have labeled and filled by ourselves like 50,000 little tiny glass bottles. We picked a stupid shape so you can use a label machine, like all these things that you learn. Yeah. Um, but if you can get through that, it puts you in a good stead to, to scale. Definitely. It's all part of the journey as well. I, yeah, it makes I a good it. dinner party story. For yeah, <laughs> for sure. And what else I love about this is that naturally you would think okay the occasion for moth is a park picnic or on my way to a friend's house on the tube but actually like having a rubbish cocktail we were speaking about this earlier is the worst thing ever like if whether you're at home and you're trying to like create something new and you make a rubbish drink your night's just a little bit ruined or whether you were in a bar or a pub and they served you a rubbish drink you're just a bit annoyed so moth kind of comes into so many different people's lives in different ways because you are stocked in bars restaurants and also people's fridges so how varied are your kind of distribution points and like was that the obvious thing for you guys or were you naturally like we are a dtc brand or was it like actually this can go into so many different other areas yeah i mean we'd always hoped we could be in lots of places because there's so many places that you can have a cocktail um and we always said like we were here to we're not here to replace bartenders i am one we love them like we're here to give you one where it's just not possible to get a good one so that might be thirty-eight thousand feet in the sky or it might be in the local pub after 9 p.m because it's so busy so that sort of brief is super broad i think we started in year one with one customer which was Waitrose, as in year one of Moth. And so for us, of like because it was just Sam and I, we didn't do DTC, we didn't do Entree, we didn't do anything, because like there were two of us. And the opportunity just to do one thing right and to learn as much as we could from that was really, really important to us. Like That was not necessarily our idea. We got great advice of just like, if you try and do more than this, there's two of you, you are going to fall over. And so we started in grocery because that was the on-trade and bars and restaurants during COVID. And then naturally we started to build, sort of go towards D2C and we hired someone for that um, who is amazing um, because we don't have a distillery, a bar, a restaurant, whatever it is. So our home has to be somewhere and that's the purpose of D2C. But the the real strength and the sort of the big sort of business bit for Moth is we want to be the first can cocktail brand that can be across the three channels. So like you can find us in a grocery and take us home. You'll order us online because you love us and you're hosting a party and we'll buy a big pack or you're in a bar and it's 
2 a.m. and it's super busy and you just want a proper cocktail, but you know the poor bartender who's been 10 deep for an hour would cry if you asked for a Negroni, we can be there too. So I think for us, we wanted to build a brand and a liquid and a trust with the consumer that could be across all those channels. And we're naturally now growing that out from a starting grocery because that was what was open. So yeah, we're, we're, we're across the three now. I think we're trying to put engines on the plane of moth. That means if one wobbles, we still keep flying. And But really, I think RTD is a category that historically has a lot of disappointment um, associated with it of just, it's not what you get in a bar or it's not what you'd make. And so our aim is never to disappoint either in the bar, on the DTC or in the grocery. And if we can build a brand that people know it's the perfect every time, you are then allowed to go and be in so many places. So that's, mm. that's the plan. Definitely. And I, I mean, I told the story earlier before we started recording, but like having, I was at a pub recently and I had an Aperol Spritz in a pint glass because they were so busy and they ran out of glasses. Like that should be illegal because you're already paying the same price. And like, you know, a cocktail's not cheap. It's like, you know, 10, 12 pounds. And like, if you want a Negroni, you want a Negroni, like you want it right. And if that poor bartender is like, oh my God, no, I really can't be bothered to make this. I've got so much else to do. This is when moth comes in. So I think, yeah, more pubs, bars need to have moth because it's just such an easy hold on, bear with me, let me just quickly whip you up the perfect drink in about two minutes. Um, So yeah, for sure. And also I want to talk about doing one thing really, really well. That is just genius because actually, even in life, people think they need to be like the jack of all trades and doing everything and like be superhuman. But actually doing one thing really, really well actually makes you really, really good at that one thing. And it's actually so underrated. Yeah, I think the big learning for us is it's really hard to have the like the confidence in your convictions to be like to say no to stuff like so many young brands like if you're like a gym brand you'll go and do white label for people or you'll try and be you know loads of different packaging formats or just try and be everything for everyone but i went to like a virgin startup course ages ago and someone who was taking it was like put your hand up if you think your products are everyone and for everywhere and this poor poor person put her hand up and she was like it's me they're like great stand up and tell me what your product is. And she was like, I'm a coffee brand. And I was like, great, okay. And they said, everyone in this room who doesn't drink caffeinated coffee or doesn't drink coffee, put your hand up. And like 20 people put their hand up and you go, ah, you are trying to, why, why try and convert these people who will never be converted? Go and tell the people who love what you would do if they knew about it. So it's, it's a really interesting one of like, it took us two and a half years to realize what was important. And it took us a long time to sort of learn to focus but for us, I think we've been incredibly fortunate that that's been rewarded. So it's it's easier to stay focused if you can see it working. The real test is like when it's not growing as quickly as you want or it's not doing what you want it to do and still sticking at it and still believing that it's the right thing. And yeah, as people who are doing our first business, we're, you know, that test will probably come at some point, but having all this learning and having good people around us to be like, no, this is, this is the thing. We can't, we're not going to, if you're pregnant, we, we're not here for you. As soon as you're ready, like I had an amazing story of someone taking an espresso martini in her like hospital bag as the first thing she was going to drink. I was like, that's so cool. That is so but, like, cool. If you don't drink and you don't love canned cocktails or for whatever reason, there is no point in me running after you. There is, I'd go and recommend a million non-out brands, lots of friends who do it. Like, we're not here for everybody. We're here to look after the people that could use us and could be a fit. And we just do proper can cocktails. Yeah, I think you cannot be a people pleaser if you have a brand, I think. It's... And it's so hard because it's a natural people pleaser. Same. It's, like, it's so hard. I'll, I'll make you anything, whatever you like. I'll put it in a can. <laughs> yeah, literally. I'm exactly the same, but it's so true. I think you've got to find your customers and like 
make your product for them and then everyone else will follow if it's if you know they're doing something they kind of like they'll be there too but having that core group yeah is is so key um so I now want to talk about being in the right place at the right time because I feel like there's maybe people could say there's luck to that like right place right time or if it's actually like hard work actually pays off and that's actually just what happened at the right time because I feel like there's a few things that happened for you guys COVID maybe being one of them that may have played into it but ultimately is there such thing as right place right time I don't know what's your thoughts on it yeah I mean the sort of I think with the list of what ifs for moth and for almost anyone in any position is so long that if you start going into it you'll go crazy of like what if I hadn't gone to uni with Sam what if I haven't gone to the reason I bartended for the first time is ridiculous so Sam uh, his aunt gave her her old car in our third year of university so we could drive to the supermarket for the first time we drove to Waitrose because we didn't spend our money on like going out clubbing or cigarettes all this kind of stuff we were just like we're just gonna eat really well for third year and so I built up a massive Waitrose overdraft and so I had to get a job to pay that off and that job was bartending that was my first bartending job because of a Waitrose overdraft because of Sam's aunt giving me a car because I missed my grades to go to the same union all like if you keep going you'll go crazy mm. so there's that but then there's also for Moth a lot of we popped up during the pandemic and people thought we we're like a lockdown brand that come out of nowhere and how the hell did they get Waitrose uh, and there's a lot of for us it was kind of weird and we didn't know how to feel about it of like actually we've been at this for two and a half years we were the first single serve brand in Selfridges in Harrods and all these places and we'd been working away for two and a half years and it looks like in hindsight for this exact reason and we knew it was coming and you can rationalise it wonderfully the wiggly path all makes sense in hindsight and it wasn't that we were at the right place at the right time it happened to be that we were doing something that we loved and that we cared about and actually for us Covid did speed things up and did make a massive difference but on day one of Covid we lost every account we thought this was game over Selfridges, Harrods, The Ritz everything closed we thought that was it done and so right place right time is a massive amount of what we do and a massive amount of what gets anyone anywhere I think anyone who says it's all them they're like I knew what I was doing no one knows what they're doing no but if you're handed an opportunity actually being able to take that on and to make the most of it because I think everyone in life and others less so you know it's, it's a it's a big spectrum but at some point you can be handed opportunities and making the most of those and then putting the work in and sprinting you know then you can make the most of it but we've been there for two and a half years in the dark you know almost lost at sea of like we're doing this thing we really believe in and some people in Selfridges think it's a good idea but really the world doesn't know what we're doing and then the world did suddenly for all kinds of weird reasons um so yeah yeah no exactly and that's I completely agree I think people who didn't know you before would have been like oh wow look they're so lucky their brand has just taken off they were just they've it's just perfect like wow lucky them and like I can you know some people might think that and fine think that but actually there's so much that goes on before you're just putting in the groundwork 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 making the mistakes learning fast moving quickly pivoting where you need to and then suddenly you see an opportunity you jump and it it happens that's actually all work like it's not I think right place right time is definitely a thing and like you've got to also be reactive which is what you guys were yeah I think so but I don't think anyone could say like luck's not a part of it like people yeah. are so so like people like a lot of great entrepreneurs and people later in their lives are like I knew this was coming and I could see it and you're like actually probably nine times out of ten you just happened to be there and then you made it work mm-hmm. um so yeah I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to say we were visionaries we were just doing something we cared about and then other people started to care too and we make the most of that yeah no for sure 
So I want to touch on a bit on wellness, Ooh. a bit on wellness. Yep. So as you know, running a business, rapidly growing, how do you kind of take time for you? How do you keep balanced? How do you make it work for you? Is there anything that you kind of incorporated in your life or that's really important to you in order to kind of remain sane in the kind of busyness and hecticness of moth? Yeah, I mean, step one, an unbelievably supportive partner. Um, I'd say it's not to be overlooked or taken for granted, both, you know, partner home and then family of like, these are people who allow you to do this. It's a massive, it's a massively selfish and privileged thing to be able to do this. And so that doesn't come without having effects on other people. So that's a massive part of it. I think without them, I wouldn't be here because they give you that license to take the risk, especially for like my wife and parents are like, they're not risk people. They don't take risks. Whereas so that sort of sensibleness allows me to take it um, to get a therapist, 100%. Um, it's a really good idea. Um, three, I think building a really supportive work culture. So as I said, like we've had like a bit of tough time this year with like um, like the speed of growth and, and like like um, my partner having like health issues and things. And actually work was a sanctuary. Like the culture at Moth is so strong that going to work was a massive positive and protective factor in my life. And I think we all talk about culture and how important it is. But actually, when the shit hits the fan, and it's not just a theory on a piece of paper, culture changes people's lives and can be a massive positive impact. Um, and work can be the thing that gets you through. And realizing that what, like having moth and having this sort of culture can be the thing that actually is a massive motivator rather than a massive Sunday dread for Monday. That realization for me over the past year has really spurred me on to be like, actually work as a positive force and moth as a positive force in people's lives so important and if you could do that you can scale and attract amazing people because yes liquid yes brand yes all this stuff but stuff happens because of teams and people and if you can make moth a positive impact in their lives because i've seen it be one in mine that's that's just crazy that's so exciting so yeah i think that some exercise some days off you know going out for dinner regularly all that kind of good stuff yeah getting no. a puppy you know yeah oh yeah get a puppy 100 no that's so true and firstly i want to touch on the therapist thing I completely agree I feel like everyone needs one i feel like it's an essential part and i think the word sometimes people are like oh i don't need that like that that's so weak but actually it makes you a really strong person to have a therapist and i think it's a really really good thing to have and secondly i want to touch on culture because i think i heard something where I might be wrong, so you might have to correct me on this, but I think everyone in the company tells you is is their rocks or their stones or like the big hurdles or big things they've got in their week and everyone then knows about them. Talk about that because I when I heard this, I was like, wow, this is really, really cool because this is very new. Yeah, I think on therapy first, I went to an amazing talk by this guy called Charlie who runs Hello Self. And he said, if you call it psychological coaching, 80% of people want it. If you call it therapy, 80% of people don't want it. It's just mm. like, it's amazing stat. Change the word and it's different. So there's that, which is really interesting. And I think for anyone who's thinking about it, like just imagine being 10% better. You don't have to go in crisis. You don't have to be having a bad time. Just imagine being 10% better. How good would that be? Yeah. That, so that's really interesting. Just reframing how you think about it. And then two culture piece. Yeah. So transparency, like everyone should know what's going on. It's really important. And so we do have these things called rocks and you can log on to our like little internet and see it and you know what anyone's doing at any one time and i think that transparency of like we all know what we're doing towards the big goals means everyone feels like they're like what they're doing is worth doing and it contributes to the big thing because it's like it's the classic and massively cliched story of like nasa so some reporters went in and interviewed a guy sweeping the floor they said what do you do oh i put i'm putting a man on the moon 
well, no, you're sweeping the floor from the dust and like, you know, in the thing that you're a cleaner, I'm putting a man on the moon. And for us of like, yes, you might be processing orders or you might be, you know, do, doing things that might seem a little mundane, but you're not. You're changing how people drink and changing consumption habits and making cocktails accessible to people and in places where you can never have them. Like, that's really exciting. So having that sort of very clear, like, mission and everyone's contribution towards that makes what you're doing worth doing even when it's really tough because plenty of times over the last few years it's really tough yeah no completely I love that so I want to finish off with two questions and they're a bit of foodie drinky questions the first one is being kind of a cocktail connoisseur or knowing London's drink scene could you give some of the listeners some of your like top bar recommendations yeah other than the moth office which has a bar for the team (laughs) which is just the best uh Go to, there's a few fantastic places. So for a view, go to the Treehouse for a margarita. It looks just looks over the Langham, the BBC Radio uh, recording studios and near Oxford Street. It's just a ridiculously amazing view. Great margarita, great Mexican food. Or go to Citizen M uh, near Tower Hill. It is quiet, upstairs, panoramic bar across, like, House of Parliament, Tower of London. Huge, you, there's never anyone there. It's unbelievable. I used to go and work from there sometimes and you can go and have a fantastic little Negroni and sit and all of the London Skyliners there and you'll never get jostled from behind because it's really busy. Like that's super fun. If you're going for just like fantastic nerdy cocktails, I think like Termini and um, some of the hotel bars, like there's nothing quite like just sitting in a quiet corner with a fantastic martini and then went to one called Side Hustle recently, which does an unbelievable it's like kind of like a black manhattan with sherry and rum and it's just ridiculous wow and some really good nachos weirdly um Amazing. so yeah that's a few options but i just quite drink in a corner to reflect um yeah sitting on bankside it's like no one knows that sounds yeah. a really good recommendation and my last question is my favorite question and that would be what is your last meal so startup main course and dessert what would it be oh my God, it's so tough. I think I'm definitely like, I'd start a starter main course. I, I'm always always on the savoury side. Mm-hmm. I think I love different cuisines from different parts of the world. So I think I try and recreate an, e- an evening I did in Tooting once where I went to Tooting Market with my other half and we did a different country for each course. Oh, that's which so was fun. So much fun. So I think we started with tempura from like Japanese tempura, which was lovely. We then had like a Vietnamese banh mi. And then instead of um, instead of dessert we did cocktails so we had like hurricanes and zombies and this amazing little sort of New Orleans style cocktail bar so yeah um, varieties of spice of life so I think mixing it up as much as possible oh my god great one I absolutely love that Rob thank you so much for coming on this has been so insightful I think Moth is fantastic I'm personally a big fan and I just think that you're answering so many people's like you're, you're the result so many people's problems when it comes to getting a good drink like everyone can now have access to an unbelievable cocktail and like how great is that thank you so, so much. thank you so much for coming on thank you guys so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did if you did enjoy the episode please share it amongst friends and family and help spread the catch-ups in my kitchen word to more people every single person listening right now plays such an important role in the growth of this podcast so thank you thank you thank you for your support thank you for listening and see you again next week (laughs) 